all cultures change. And so change isn't necessarily bad. However, obviously there is a, a standard for, for the four of us. Um, there is a standard to which all cultures should be measured against, and, and that is God's revelation. Welcome to Calvary Conversations, a ministry of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri, for encouraging conversations about life from the biblical worldview. I'm Mike Dodds, the host for today's conversation, and my colleagues here today, as always, Josh Paxton, the director of the Burnham Center for Global Engagement, Sean LePage, chair of our ministry studies department, and Tim Hange, chair of the English department. Welcome to the conversation, guys. Great to be here. Thanks, Mike. Great to have you here. I recently read a couple articles that really piqued my attention and said, hey, we've got to have a conversation about this. We all know what's going on in the culture, changes that have happened, but I I, I want to talk about it because I think everybody else is wondering, what do we do about it? Most Americans are aware of the changes. I mean, if they're alert and looking at it. One of the articles concerned the findings of a recent Wall Street Journal slash NORC poll, and NORC stands for the National Opinion Research Center at the University of Chicago. They evidently do it that survey every year, and the results were for 1998 compared to 2019 compared to 2023. Just 25 years. What did, what's changed in our culture? And this is what they found. Here's a couple of things. Uh, from 1998 to 2023, the importance of, to you, patriotism, it decreased from 70% to 38%. Mm. Religion, now that's a broad topic, decreased from 62% to 39% of people here in America. Wow. Having children, the importance of having children decreased from 59% to 30% today. Community involvement down from 47 to 27%. The only one that this article showed that increased, I didn't see the whole survey, said money increased the importance to me from 31 to 43%. All right, a number of things are going on in our culture. Um, those findings of that survey maybe are a conversation in itself, but let me introduce the second article. The title of that second article, How Ditching Social Norms Guarantees Failure not freedom. Our culture's changed. And some of that this author's arguing is because we wanted to free ourselves and that'll make the world better. Uh, here's a statement near the end of the article, wider anti-disestablishmentarianism the night, late 1960s. All right, there, there's this author saying that's where it sort of began because at that time it felt right, put air quotes, it felt right to liberate ourselves, to throw off the shackles of convention across a broad range of former norms with the result that we abandoned societal standards against logic and at great cost. He's arguing these changes haven't been a good thing. Uh, how should we who seek to live by the biblical worldview react to cultural change, societal changes. What values are just cultural and all right, get over it, they're gonna change. What values are, I could use the word super cultural, maybe that's not a good, meaning it across time, that's what makes for strong cultures, strong societies. 
Jump in, guys. Who wants to start us out? Josh, you think a lot about culture? I, I think it's, well, I think maybe one important starting ground for this conversation is the realization that cultures change. Like it is a it it is a fundamental aspect of all cultures to understand that they change. No culture is static. Um, they change over time. They're borrowing from other cultures, interaction with other people groups. They change because of the seasons or tragedies that may happen. You know, natural disasters, uh, increases in population, loss of population. Um, one that's up Tim's alley. Language changes, and so as language changes. Changes, cultures change as we borrow words and we reinterpret and misunderstand them. So all cultures change. And so change isn't necessarily bad. However, obviously there is a, a standard for, for the four of us. Um, there is a standard to which all cultures should be measured against, and, and that is God's revelation. And so then... You know, the wider question is you already kind of asked it, asked it is what values are there that de we develop from a biblical worldview that are the values that should never change, even though, you know, some other things, the clothes we wear, the length of our hair, et cetera, may change. And scripture doesn't necessarily speak directly to those particular concepts. And so it's OK if they change and fluctuate. but you know, things like the sanctity of life, people being made in the image of God um, are, uh, how do I phrase this, but our, um, our worship of the one true God, as opposed to worshiping idols or something false or false religions, right? There are, there are values that are truly biblical and timeless and shouldn't change from culture to culture. How do we discover which is which? That's a big question. Sean. That's that's hard work, you know. That's that's Bible study, you know. Ultimately, uh, we have to we have to be diligent students. <clears throat> excuse me of of Scripture, um, because uh, sometimes it's hard for us to see the difference between what we think of as a as a biblical uh, value and a cultural value um there there are some that that are definitely both you know like i, I think a for example uh the the sanctity of human life is that's both a biblical value and it's part of my cultural value um and so so the hard work is 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 really uh, studying the scriptures to 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 really look and see what's there like um you think of like in the 60s when when there was this this uh uh, this new fad of of men wearing their their hair long, which I still wish I could do, but I can't. Um, but but you know that that's that's something that the scriptures really don't give us much to go on, and so there's there's room for a difference of opinion, which is which is also you know what what um, Paul talked about in Romans 14. It's a it's a part of Christian maturity to 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 acknowledge that. There are differences of opinion on these things, you know. Whereas, whereas uh, I, I may think that that one thing is what something is disrespectful or 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 you know uncouth or whatever. Um, if the scriptures aren't real clear on them, 
uh, or don't provide us with clear principles to go by, then you know we need to we need to uh, put up with each other's differences of opinion. Uh, that doesn't mean that everybody's just as right as everybody else, and that every everybody's opinion is just as good as everybody else's. Um, you know, uh, but it, it you know there are some things that are just a matter of opinion, and so we just have to do the diligent Bible study to to understand the difference. But things that are a matter of opinion can also just be a matter of social opinion, right? And this is right. this is a mm-hmm. this is a a thing where even within Scripture we see social opinion respected. Paul himself talks about how he is, when he is with various people groups, when he's with Jews or Romans or Greeks, he behaves a different way, not in terms of what's important, uh, in terms of the gospel, Paul never compromised that, but in terms of his outward behavior, he was more than willing to modify his outward behavior. And he didn't address those things by saying, hey, you know, I shouldn't, you know, uh, you know, in, in, you know, biblically, I'm free to do what I want here because this is a morally neutral thing in terms of how I greet you or how I wear my hair or or whatever that may be, right? No, Paul adhered to those social norms because um, it it served the gospel. Here's the tricky thing, and this there's a real tension here. And sorry to throw you guys a conundrum, but but like if if we look at if we look at social norms of 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 greetings, for example. Okay, Uh, in, say, the 1950s, if you walked into an office, you would say, you know, you probably as a man would take off your hat and and, you know, set it up and you would shake someone's hand and say, hello, Mr. Such and such, et cetera. Right. And that seems archaic and quaint, according to our culture. We look back at that and laugh and maybe look back at that and, you know, think how, you know, there there's a power distance that separates people and how we should, you know, we can we can we can laugh at that all we want. I want I want to put put you in the, in the shoes of a newcomer who comes to the United States, um, and and because because I work with a lot of, of of international people, and they ask how do I behave how do I behave in a classroom because when I go in and I go into a classroom when I call this professor doctor something she said oh that's too formal don't do that just call me Christy okay well okay but then I walked into the next classroom and I tried to call that professor by their first name and they said no no call me Mr. such and such right you see the the problem is that on the one hand societal norms and I'm talking about amoral societal norms give us a way of behaving a group way of behaving so that we're comfortable so that we know what's expected in certain circumstances right and so that can be a really good thing the problem, though, is that when people break those cultural norms, we often, in the past, we often associated that with, oh, this person's trying to be an outsider, outside the box, rebellious, etc. And we would judge that person with a sense of legalism that wasn't warranted or healthy. So what's what the tension, the essential tension I see is that I think cultures need norms. But the problem is that norms also breed sort of this sense of hypocrisy and legalism. So uh, uh, it's it's a really it's it's a it's a tough balance really to strike. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sorry to throw that out there, but I'm, I'm curious. No, that's great. That's great. So two. All right. Two two defining aspects of culture. One culture is a shared system that is every single person with the, it is it is by definition culture by definition binds a group of people together so that they know how to 
behave, what is acceptable, what's not acceptable, what um, you know, what the consequences are for unacceptable behavior, etc. Culture is also an integrated whole meaning that every single aspect of the culture from religion and ritual to government to kinship and marriage etc is all interconnected with every single other aspect so that if you change one piece of that that will have ripple effects into the rest of the culture and other changing pieces and i think tim you've you've hit on a, a really important point which we were kind of talking about earlier which was that the problem the problem with the changes that we are seeing in in American culture today is is not that the culture as a whole is changing, but our culture is fragmenting. Our we have taken you know, we have taken individualistic idealism from the philosophy that we make our own reality as opposed to realism there is a reality that is external to me we have taken that to the extreme in in postmodernism to where now what even is our shared what is a what is our culture what cultural values do we even have when everybody simply makes up their own way of greeting or their own way of dressing or dare I say it their own pronouns and the and we can't agree and so there is no agreement so how long can a society exist in which there is no agreement there is no shared system for how people are going to get along I think that's maybe the real issue here yeah. So so all we need to yeah. do then what you're arguing for is just give it some time and we'll adjust and the way culture's changing okay that's all right so I got to put up with the drag queen kids hour and the pronouns and all of is that what we're saying? I don't think you that's know? what Josh was saying <laughs> at all. <laughs> well help I me think, understand. I think what we're saying is there has to be there has to be a call to a standard. Like we we can't just make it up. We can't just uh, each of us make up, you know, the time of the judges, right? How is the judges defined? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And a fundamental problem in the book of Judges where they weren't adhering to the standard that God had set. And so if there is no standard and everybody is simply doing their own thing, where do we where do we meet? where do we where do we agree on the definition of a term you know like tolerance Josh, for example are, are, you, are you talking about so i i had been more talking about like amoral standards like things that are neither right nor wrong it's just how we you know it, it gives some it gives some structure to society to have that it is the structure itself valuable right uh, and is it worth the cost of the potential legalism that sometimes, you know, comes into play? But um, just uh, there's also sort of the, there's also this realm of moral, uh, you know, where there is clear moral guidance in Scripture as, as far as um, uh, uh, cultural norms. And so, Josh, are, are you are you right now talking more about the amoral part or the moral part? Uh, I think I'm probably talking more about the moral part than I am okay. the the gotcha. amoral part. But then the right. um, even even in that, I think 
how do we define for, so for example how how do we define what is amoral or culturally neutral without first having a standard by which to determine what is moral like i need the i need the standard to tell me those things that are moral and and not culturally neutral before i can actually come over here and say well this is something that that doesn't matter because it it doesn't affect my standard. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. How, uh, well, how... I lived in a culture for eight years when uh, that was such as when you were when you were invited to a, a when you were invited as a guest to anyone's home, you took uh, some pastries or some cakes that demonstrated uh, or or some fruit or something to share with the group that demonstrated respect. Okay, one might say that's not that's that's an amoral thing. Whether I bring fruit or 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 cakes or somebody in America, it's whatever people want to do. People don't get offended if you don't bring anything, but they appreciate it if you do. That's fine, you know. It's it's whatever. So in America, there there isn't. So I think I think you could define something as amoral that that, given the lack of cultural context, uh, the action itself would not be wouldn't be neither pleasing nor displeasing to God, right? Yes. Um, yes. So, right, given the absence of any kind of context, right? Uh, given the absence of any kind of context, uh, um, boy, I'm trying to think of something else that would be, you know. Uh, Tim, Tim the, the illustration you used before we came online. Yeah. Uh, a, stu a student shows up to class in the contemporary cultural attire, meaning pajamas. What looks like pajamas? Right. Now, take out of the context we're at a Christian college because people might have presuppositions there. Yeah. My, my wife teaches in the public school and sees behavior like that. Uh, I mean, presentation like that. Is, is that a cultural norm we should just get used to? Is it not acceptable? See, and that's, that's Damn, the I thing. It's, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's great. It's great to talk about what's moral. Or, it, it's great to talk about things that are clearly amoral when when you don't care about them. I, <laughs> but the pajama thing drives me nuts. Uh, but I have well, to when admit, I was growing. OK, so just to throw out there, I mean, you know, when I was I'm 43 years old now. So when I'm growing up and going to high school, it wasn't uncommon for girls to show up at social events or at um, gym class wearing boxer shorts as their attire. Um, is that moral or amoral? Um, depends on whether or not the boxer shorts are sewed shut. <laughs> I think maybe we're getting into the weeds a little bit on, on you know, boxer shorts. I don't know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> it's a good illustration. I think I think it really does, though, come down to, <clears throat> you know, there there are some things there there, there are some situations where um, I can I can uh, change things. So, for example, uh, I as a as a professor, I can insist that my students not come dressed in their pajamas or in boxer shorts or or whatever. Um, so there are some things that I can change. Um, and then there are some things that I can't. I we we cannot change, uh, you know, broad societal norms that are that are, you know, just extremely popular. Um, so you know, the question really becomes how do we respond 
in a in a Christian manner. So so um, you know, I think you know, is it is it wise for for say just to run with uh, Josh's example? Is it wise for girls to walk around in boxer shorts? You know, um, how would I how would I talk to my own uh, daughters or nieces about that? You know, how could I impart wisdom to them regarding that kind of attire or or other things that are perhaps even more revealing? So then it becomes an issue of wisdom and 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 you know like like uh, can I can I um, provide wise counsel to to people who have just bought into certain societal norms and that kind of thing? Um, and I think that I think that's a that's a more biblical Christian response because there are some of these societal norms you know si since there are no societal norms in our time uh, essentially um the the question i think becomes how can we provide wise counsel to those that we love and those that we can influence sorry if i could change the question a little bit uh, what things should we try to help change i mean what 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 things do Christians see in the culture where it goes, this is destructive? Other people would say, no, that's just a change in the culture. Um, how do we achieve that? How, yeah, do we so I, that? how do we distinguish that? I, I would just add to what I what I just said. So let me use the example you, you mentioned earlier that patriotism has dropped radically in our culture. So uh, I think uh, I think uh, patriotism is a is a good thing because uh, I, I think America has been uh, generally a very good thing for the world. And I think generally, you know, the, the principles of, of America are, are very good and, and, and even biblical. Um, so, um, you know, am I, but I'm, am I going to try to, to win people over to patriotism? I, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't think, uh, if, if, if the numbers have dropped so drastically, I'm not sure that's an that's a discussion I really want to have with a lot of people. If 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 it's people that are that are really listening and they care about my opinions, then I'm going to share with them why I think America is great and why why uh, you know why I am patriotic about America. But but that's not that's not something that that I'm going to say. The Bible insists that I do. I, I think the Bible insists that we be respectful to. Our government and that we be in submission to our, our government leaders, but it it doesn't promote the idea that 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 we should be patriotic. But I th I think also you know um, there there are there are you know it is a matter of wisdom. So I don't think it's just a matter of you know uh, you know this is my favorite basketball team or something like that. You know that where there's literally no no moral issue uh, at all, um, but. You know, when it comes to something like patriotism, where where you know freedom is a moral issue, and and the 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 issues related to capitalism versus socialism, there there are moral issues related to that conversation. Uh, that I think you know, if if I have the opportunity to to con uh, converse with people who are genuinely listening, I'll have that conversation. But like Tim said, it's not it's not a hill I'm going to die on. Uh, the the hill I'm going to die on is that that uh, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him will not, not perish, but have an everlasting life. So you see what I'm saying? I mean, I think that there are 
there are uh, some that where we we have to you know weigh the situation. You know, do we have uh, someone's ear really, or are we just going to start a fight and an argument? And are we going to be casting our pearls before swine? <laughs> you know, I think we have to be wise in how we approach those kinds of conversations. You see, a decline Sean, in patriotism that that is that is a, a probably a conversation we should have like. Uh, a separate conversation on. I mean, I, let's touch on it here a bit, clearly. But um, like, I, I guess I'm not is I'm not as wigged out about that one because I think it can mean a lot of things. One thing yeah. that I think there has been a decline of since uh, the 1950s um, is the idea of American exceptionalism. That somehow we are an exceptional nation, uh, better than the rest of the world. Quite frankly. And if we're talking about a decline in patriotism, um, meaning a decline in American exceptionalism, I actually welcome that to a large degree. But if we're talking about a decline in patriotism saying, hey, it doesn't matter to me what country I live in. I just want to you know, have my needs provided for, et cetera. Right. And I don't and having no care or concern for uh, the idea that, you know, God designed us to live within people groups and, and to to uh, to. Um, Frankly, even protect uh, our 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 group. That's a, that's a different thing, and and ha and have sense of loyalty to a group, right? I think we are designed that way, and so I, you know, I, but there there is also a very unhealthy side of of patriotism that I have witnessed that I frankly would be glad to see a decline in. Um, I I think as believers, uh, our 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 patriotism sits within um, a, a patriotism to the kingdom of heaven. Um, and that is our that is our larger that is our our highest loyalty, and so we obey scripture, which tells us to obey our governing authorities. And by the way, it's important to understand that at the time the, uh, that that the authors of scripture penned these words, um, you're talking about oppressive governments. Yeah. You're talking about a governments that most American Christians would say, no, we have a right to rebel against this because you know we're being oppressed. I mean, Jesus telling people to 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 give deference to Rome I mean this is this is ridiculous you know from the standpoint of um of, of how we would think in modern America so I don't know I'm, I'm just challenging a little bit pushing back a little bit on that view um I don't have a problem with a bit of decline in American exceptionalism if we're equating that yeah Tim I think it's important for us to in each one of those statistics, maybe, you know, like there's the question behind the question, right? Like, okay, mm -hmm. why has it, why has it decreased this much? And there might be multiple answers to that. But if I could, you know, if I could bring us back to kind of our main topic a little bit. Before we move on, let me, let oh. me add something, Josh. So actually, Tim, what you just did was great because what you did was you provided wisdom to show that, that, that can go to, to an unhealthy extreme in both ways. So, mm -hmm. you know, just talking about patriotism, you know, is Mer America the great Satan uh, on one hand? You know, that's a that's a that's an extreme view or is America, you know, the new heaven and the new earth? You know, that's another extreme. And, and what we have to do is apply wisdom to the conversation and be able to say, look, uh, we know that that there have been horrible things done in America just just as there have been in many other countries throughout the world, throughout human history. Um, but but we, we can also say that, you know, uh, there, are, there, are, there are good and better aspects of, 
of a culture of a of a of a government a form of government and those kinds of things and we can we can you know uh, assess something with wisdom and and so what tim did there was was really good that's really good sean and the thing so the thing that i was gonna and, and kind of maybe coming back to the umbrella view um hr Niebuhr uh is is well known for coming up with five interactions between Christ or the gospel and culture. Uh, I won't go through all five, but his final one was to be a transformer of culture. And the idea that is that is inherent with that, you know, as it's relevant to our conversation is that every because we are made in God's image, uh, some of our culture will reflect that. It will be good and it will be, I mean, it'll be incredible. It'll be in line with us as his image bearers in society. On the other hand, because we are fallen, uh, other aspects of our culture will be tainted by sin, not because the culture is bad. And I think this is a fundamental, really important point that we need to get at here, which is culture is the result of people. People create culture as they gather together in groups and they establish agreed upon norms and principles for how they do life. We create it. And so fallen people create fallen culture. Redeemed people are capable of redeeming culture and bringing it into line with God's truth and his principles, whether that's moral or immoral, but redeemed people can transform and redeem culture to be more in line with what God's desire is for us as human beings. And so fundamentally, what is the, you know, what is the role of, of Christians? It is to be redeemers of our culture. But then we almost need to take a little bit of a deeper dive into that. And what does it mean to transform a culture? And you have, if you understand culture as a system of layers, we're, we have been having a discussion about values. But values are not created in a vacuum. Values are built upon fundamental worldview beliefs. And the only way to truly change those values and have that change last is if you are changing the world view. And you change the world view by changing the people, by having more people who are now redeemers of culture and collectively they can change their culture as those who have been redeemed and, and brought into obedience to Christ, which is I mean, fundamentally, this is what you see with the missions group who goes to share the gospel with a tribal people group who may have been who may have been headhunters. They come in and the gospel is, you know, they don't come in and, well, you need to stop this. You need to stop killing people and eating them and you need to. OK, do they want that to change? Absolutely. They want that to change. But coming in and being the king and enacting a bunch of external rules and laws and right, you, you might get to change them for a while, but eventually those people are going to revolt and they're going to get rid of you and then they're going to go right back to living the, their life the way they wanted to. Fundamentally, the way a culture like that changes is when they're presented with the truth of the gospel and now having placed their faith and their trust in Christ and being redeemed, they as redeemed people redeem their culture. 
so good there, good. Josh. Good. Uh, good. A, a good summary. We've run out of time, guys, but boy, how do we respond to the changes in our culture? That's what we've been discussing. Uh, but that exhortation that you just gave us that we are here to infuse Christ likeness into the culture, you know, and, and in that sense, it will change to that which God intended. Uh, it's our prayer. And I'm talking to our listeners now that as you listen into us each week, you know, we go back and forth with our conversations, but you're going to have conversations with people in the culture and they're going to push back because you're a Christian or you're religious or whatever, and that you want to change it for whatever reason, right? That's part of our context, but we need to be real clear about the gospel and what really needs to change and what is that which we honor the Lord. But continue your conversations or we're going to continue ours. Uh, we encourage you to see the link below about comments that you can give to us, questions, uh, contact any of us, as well as give us suggestions about topics that you'd like to hear us start a conversation and join you with. But join us again next week for another Calvary conversation. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Calvary Conversations, a service of Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri. We invite you to participate in the conversation by contacting us through the Calvary University website, calvary.edu, or by calling us at 816-322-0110. Join us again next week for another Calvary Conversation.